Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Today we're going to conclude our Christmas series called The Christmas Option. You know, when we think about the Christmas story, we hear it every year. We see the nativity scene in the back and we see all the Christmas decorations in the community and we see the nativity scene on postcards and plays. We sing about it in Christmas carols. And it's all so familiar. And that's a good thing. But sometimes the familiar can prevent us and hinder us from getting a fresh meaning from an old, old story that's very, very enduring. And so what I want us to do this last time is to go through some of the events of the Christmas story and put you in the experience of the people that were there so that you can experience it personally and have a fresh understanding of the Christmas story. And you'll find out the Christmas option is that everybody has a choice to either obey God or not. I want to open today with a quote from Charles Stanley. Uh, He said, I have complete confidence that God is able to take care of any situation and provide an answer to any question or problem. He has all the resources of the universe to draw upon in helping each one of us through any type of crisis if we will trust Him. I like that. Well said. In other words, God is God. He can handle anything. And no matter what we go through, no matter what kind of problems we may be experiencing or a crisis that we might be going through, He is able to help us. He is able to give us what we need to go through it if we'll trust Him. Today's message is entitled, God Works Through Our Difficulties. God Works Through Our Difficulties. And I want you to realize that uh, there will be difficulties. I mean, Jesus had difficulties. You would think that after Jesus was born and then the visits from the Magi and the shepherds, that everything would be smooth sailing, that we'd have that wonderful, happy ending. But we didn't. That was just the beginning of his story. And then there is this evil King Herod who wants to slaughter all the baby boys in the area because he doesn't want this king to ever grow up and live and one day be a threat to his throne. And of course, Jesus would one day grow up And John's gospel says he came to his own and they received him not. In other words, Jesus ultimately was rejected by his own people. And so being God's son did not immunize him from difficulty. He dealt with difficulty and you and I will do the same. But what I want to show you is there is hope in difficult times. To start off with, I want you to turn to Isaiah 9. You might say an Old Testament You'll find out why soon enough. But Isaiah had a prophecy about the Messiah, which we know that Jesus is the Messiah. And so I want us to understand some thoughts that would have shaped the people of that time. Isaiah the prophet wrote in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it 
with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. You know, at face value, when you look at that prophecy in Isaiah, it's about a coming Messiah who certainly looks like he'll be a government ruler because the government will be upon his shoulders and he will have dominion and he will reign on a throne and he will have a kingdom. And so obviously you're expecting a government ruler. And as you can expect, the Jews in that day and time, that's what they were looking for in their Messiah. Once they found him, they thought he will, he will deliver us from this boot of Rome and, and he will free us and, and he'll help us get back to the glory days. And there's all kinds of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus that pointed to the Messiah and what he would be like. But it was this image of a ruler that captivated their imagination. And as a result, they were expecting a king. And later in Jesus' life, when Pilate asked him, are you really the king of the Jews? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus wasn't into earthly kingdoms. That was not his target. It was a heavenly kingdom. And so the people of his day and time were disappointed. Well, there you go. Disappointing with God. How many of you, you don't have to say this, of course. It's not something we ever want to talk about out loud but sometimes we can be disappointed with God. Maybe He doesn't uh, meet our expectations. Maybe it's not, maybe, maybe this Christian thing is not what we think it should be. Sometimes we expect God to do one thing and He actually behaves in a different way. And what are we supposed to do when that happens? I'll give you a couple examples. Number one, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Joseph and not, not this Joseph, Mary and Joseph, but a different Joseph, Joseph, son of Jacob, in the book of Genesis, in the Old Testament, the one who had all those brothers that were jealous of him, the one that had a dream from God that one day all of his family would come and bow down before him. And he shared this dream, of course, being the youngest of the pack at the time, and then he had a younger brother named Benjamin. These older brothers couldn't stomach it. We are going to bow down to you. And ultimately, they thought about killing him. But instead, they sold him into slavery, and they said, we'll never see that dreamer again. Bye-bye, Joseph. And you, if you look at it from Joseph's perspective, here is Joseph, a young man that loves the Lord, who has this vision from God of what God might do in his life someday. And in his excitement, he shares it with those he's closest to that he loves the most. And then his world gets turned upside down and inside out betrayed by his own family, sold into slavery, taken to a foreign country where he knows nobody. And now what about this dream? God, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. And you can look at that, and I'm sure Joseph was disappointed, and I'm sure that's an understatement. But obviously, if you know the rest of the story, you'll know that ultimately God's hand was on Joseph's life. And he went through a series of experiences that ultimately led him to prison, even though he didn't do anything wrong. And then God had him at just the right place at just the right time. And in the blink of an eye, he was summoned by Pharaoh. And he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And just like that, he was second in command in Egypt's kingdom. And people bowed down to him. 
And then a famine came into the, to the land, and when people needed food, where did they come? They came to Egypt, and particularly they came to Joseph. And one day, that dream, that vision he had, it came true. But then he had to sort through it all. What do I do now, God? And ultimately, just speeding through the story, ultimately, after the second visit, he reveals himself to his family members. And he says, God sent me ahead of you to save lives. Isn't that awesome? But see, sometimes in life, God begins to work in our life and we're initially disappointed. Why? This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I expect. I don't understand this. Why is this happening to me? But hang on. God's in the middle of working in your life. Don't say anything until He gets done. Uh, Another example I will give of when God doesn't make sense uh, and our assumptions about Him are wrong is what about Habakkuk? You know, recently... And you can check it out on our website. Recently, I preached a message on the book of Habakkuk called An Honest Conversation with God. You can check that out. And the prophet Habakkuk, he saw all this stuff going on in the world, all this injustice, all of these, all the stuff that was wrong in the world. And he's like, God, if you're really God, why don't you do something about it? Why, why are you silent? What, what, what's going on? Why don't you do something? He had an assumption about God. And then finally God spoke, and it really shook him up. But ultimately, at the end of that short letter, Habakkuk says, You know, God, even though the barn's empty, and there's nothing for me to point to to give me comfort and security, I still trust you. Still trust you. You see, here's the point. Sometimes our assumptions about God are wrong. And we need to realize that when our assumptions of God don't match who He is, then it's our responsibility to shift our perspective of God. Uh, Here in this prophecy, people were expecting one thing, and then when Jesus came, they got something different. Can I tell you something? Sometimes people get off track. Sometimes they get struggled. Sometimes they get stuck when they have a skewed relationship with God. One of my favorite stories is the woman at the well in John 4. And she... She goes to the well when nobody else is there because she's got a reputation. She doesn't want to hear the whispers. She doesn't want to feel the stares of people judging her. She shows up at high noon, which is something you don't do in the Middle East, to go to a well. And who's there? Jesus. And he asks for something to drink. Wait a minute. Why are you talking to me? You know, you're, you're a man and I'm a woman. We're in public. Hey, wait a minute. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. We're not supposed to even associate with one another. And he says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you water and you would never thirst again. What? Sounds crazy, don't it? But he saw something in her and he offered something that she desperately need. So she begins to dialogue with him and then they they come into a debate and then finally she's like, how do you know such a, so much about me? You know, when the Messiah comes, he knows everything. He'll explain it all. And then he basically says, you're talking to him. Hello. Wow. You see, sometimes our assumptions about God are wrong, and we have to shift our perspective of God. A second thing, look at the next part of the story, the escape to Egypt. Look, if you will, in Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2. Verse 13, after the Magi, the wise men, after they were gone, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, Joseph did, he took the child and his mother during the night and he escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. And then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up! Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. And then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Not once, not twice, but three times in that short passage that I just read to you in Matthew. Matthew is saying, this happened, but it fulfilled Scripture. This happened, and it fulfilled Scripture. And this happened, and it fulfilled Scripture. In other words, God was in control, and He was ordering the steps of Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. And so He knew exactly what He was doing during this escape to Egypt. It's proof that we can struggle with problems even when we have God's promises. Again, let me say that. We can struggle with problems even when we have God's promises. I mean, back up and look at the nativity scene again. Look at the birth of Jesus. Look at this miraculous moment. Look at how God's fingerprints have been all over it. Here is Mary. Here is Joseph. Look what God has done. And you would go, man, it can't get any better than this. And then all of these problems happen. It doesn't make sense. But listen, you and I, especially living in a fallen world as God's children, we will struggle with problems even though we have God's promises. But guess what? Thank God we've got His promises. That's so true. I love what Warren Wiersbe says, you know. He says we don't live by explanations. We live by promises. In other words, things happen in your life, things happen in my life. I see things that happen in life, and I don't always understand them. And I go, why, 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 why? Well, even if I knew why, I don't think it would satisfy me. And even if you knew why, I don't think it would satisfy you. That's why God doesn't give us explanations. He gives us promises. He says, if you'll trust me, then I will take care of you, and I'll do this, and I'll do that. And so all of these promises are in Scripture so that we can seek God, so we can trust God, so we can depend on God and lean on Him in those times. You know, looking back at the Christmas story, it's so easy to see God's hand moving, how the promises He made to Mary and Joseph and the the miraculous conception of Jesus and the angels that announced His birth and the important people that came to observe this moment the dreams and the visions that were all thrown in to confirm that God was at work. You know, you look at this situation, you go, man, that's awesome. But look at all the difficulties. 
despite the miracles, there were moments that were tough. The circumstances, I mean, in the middle of the night, worn by a dream, Joseph has to get up, get Mary, get baby Jesus and say, we got to go. What do you mean we got to go? What's in the middle of the night? I'm tired. Let's do this in the morning. You don't understand. God's given me a dream. We got to get out of here. Why? Because there's danger. And of course, Herod killed all the babies in a certain radius of Bethlehem. All of these things, all of these these things show us that we can struggle with problems even though we have God's promises. You know, I can think of a couple of people in Scripture that struggled with problems even though they had God's promise. What about Abraham? You remember Abraham in in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis? Father Abraham. Uh, we sing about him in, in uh, Sunday school, Father Abraham, who had many sons. But hey, there was a day most of his life growing up, and then he got married, and he and Sarah did not have kids. And every year it went by, and they still didn't have kids. And here he is, 75 years old, and he doesn't have any kids. And God promises Abraham, you're going to have an heir. You're going to have a son. Why? And then, guess what? You're thinking, 75 years old? That's amazing. Well, here's the best part. God makes that promise to him, and 25 years go by. It happens when he's 100. Yeah, chew on that for a minute. But here's my point. God made a promise to Abraham, and then he waited 25 years before the promise actually happened. And what about David? You know, the shepherd boy who defeated Goliath? who was anointed to be the next king of Israel, and and he had to finish growing up, and he had to deal with, you know, jealous brothers that didn't respect him and all of these things. And then when, when he got on Saul's radar, Saul, the current king, was intimidated and threatened by David, and he tried to kill him. And so after David grew up having this call to be the next king of Israel, he literally had to run for his life. Saul sent his army after David. David had to live life on the run. He, he lived in caves. He, he went wherever he could find to hide from Saul. The point is this. David had a promise from God that he would be the next king. And I didn't count, I'm sorry, but many years went by before that ever, ever happened. What's my point? My point is this that you and I as children of God will have problems in this life even though we have God's promises. So don't act like it's a, an unusual thing. Sometimes we just think, well, I got saved and everything's going to be great. Now listen, every rose has thorns. We're on this side of heaven. We live in a fallen world. There are going to be things that happen that we don't understand, that we can't always explain, things that we have a hard time accepting but please understand that God has given you His promises. Even in the Christmas story, they're doing exactly what God wants them to do. They are raising this child, the God-man, Jesus Christ, completely God, completely man. They're raising Him from birth, baby, all the way up until He begins His public ministry. And yet they are having to follow God's prompts when He warns them, when He directs them, when He guides them. They've got to stay in step with what God is doing in their life. It doesn't mean that it's problem-free. It just means that God's promises are powerful to get them to overcome the difficulties they face. Well, now let's fast forward 
Let's fast forward to John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1. As I just said, Jesus did grow up and he began his public ministry. And John's Gospel says it so well. In the Gospel of John chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. That's who it's talking about. Jesus came. He came into this world. And guess what? He was rejected. He was rejected by the very people that he came to save. Jesus shared our experience, and he overcame them. Throughout Jesus' life, he experienced everything we do. He was born to imperfect parents. How do I know his parents weren't perfect? Because they lost him and had to go back and find him. Remember that story? Yeah? And uh, not only that, but he was disrespected. He was rejected. He was tempted by Satan himself. And he was accused of things he never did. And yet, in all of that, he never sinned. The good news for us is no matter what we go through, God understands our pain, our temptation, and our struggles as well. You see, when we look at the significance of the Christmas story, Jesus came, he lived, and he died. And he died for you and me. He paid the price of our sins when he hung on that cross. When the angel announced his birth to Joseph, he says, I want you to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What a powerful statement that is. God works through our difficulties and he gives us hope. Can I tell you something? Becoming a Christian doesn't mean we're problem free. It doesn't mean we'll never have any difficulties, but it does mean we have an advocate with the Father. We have someone that can sympathize with us because he's walked in our shoes. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. It's Jesus. And not only that, but he offers us victory over it because he lived and he died and he rose again. And now the Spirit of God that raised Jesus lives inside of us if we believe him. And we have that presence and power of the Holy Spirit to overcome any difficulty along with the promises of God and His Word. What a powerful combination to remind us that yes, we will have difficulties, but praise God, we have a God that is greater than that. I love that. First John is a verse that, that came to my mind as I was preparing this. First John chapter 5 John said, for this is what love for God is, to keep His commands. And His commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that's conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world? 
but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, living the life that God has called us to live is not a burden. It's a blessing. And when you realize that, you'll realize why it's a blessing. Because we've been born of God. And greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. We now are an overcomer. We are now a conqueror. We now have victory that overcomes this world. We have victory that overcomes all these difficulties. And it's because of our faith in what? Or should I say our faith in who? It's our faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man who came into this earth, He lived and walked among us, and He died the death that you and I deserve. He lived the life that we should live. He died the death that you and I deserve. He died and took our place. He rose from the dead on the third day, proving that He really is who He claims to be, the Son of God, and He offers eternal life to anyone who repents and believes, trusts and follows Jesus. It's my prayer today, if you've never done that, that you'll take that first step. You'll say, hey, I've never done that. I want to trust and follow Jesus. I want you to know that God works through our difficulties. He gives us hope, and that's what it's all about. Maybe today you need to take that first step and trust and follow Jesus. It won't be a cure-all to everything. It doesn't make your life perfect right here, right now, as in everything's just going to be peaches and cream. But what it does do is it now reconciles you to God. You now have a relationship with Him, and you have hope for now and hope for later, and you have the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you have His promises in His Word that He'll be always with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I can't think of a greater gift. I can't think of a greater life than that. Maybe you need to take your next step. You know, the next step of obedience for a Christian is to be baptized. Maybe that's what God wants you to do. Maybe He wants you to join the church. Maybe He wants you to get plugged in, get involved in a Sunday school class, a Bible study, and get to know other people and do life together. Maybe He wants you to serve. Roll up your sleeves and say, you know, I want to do something for the Lord. I've lived my life long enough doing what I want. I want to do what God wants. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, I want to encourage you to take that next step. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.